We are honored to have this man and his wife, and uh, it has been a, it's already been wonderful for me, and uh, people getting to know him, and a uh, personable guy, and, and I told him, I said, what you might consider a weakness, God's going to turn into one of your best strengths, and that is his preaching, and I can already tell, just, in, Brian's not preached that many times, and he looks like he's an old hand at it already. And uh, part of that is just because of the love that he has for the Lord and the love that he has for the Word of God and how that Word of God's in him, and that's apparent when you hear him preach. Brian, come right on. Give him a big round of applause. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Pastor. And uh, I echo his, his sentiments, sentiments of cinnamon. Um, the outpouring has been very, very special, and and uh, so I, I, I too uh, thank you all for uh, the warm welcome that you have extended to to uh, Tina and me and my and my family, and it truly has been uh, a wonderful start to what we know will be uh, just a wonderful ministry and relationship as as God continues to uh, to lead us and direct us. I, I recently heard it said that. Uh, that, that Christians are like manure. And uh, if you keep them all in one place, they stink. But if you spread them out, they make things grow. And so um, the moral of that story is, I guess, that we were meant to be distributed. And one of the great things about Orchardville Church is that we don't stink. We have... We have been distributed and uh, praise God for that, that this church has a vision not to keep to ourselves, not to just keep building a bigger and bigger building, but to send people out, to, to plant other churches as the Apostle Paul did and, and uh, honored to be a part of that. So that segment was free. I'm not going to charge you for that uh, this morning. So what I'm going to talk to you about is suffering. Yay! Is a Christian supposed to suffer? Does Scripture specifically address suffering in a Christian's life? Yes, overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly, the Scripture talks about case after case, character after character in Scripture that God used in, in suffering to do what? To display his glory through them. In fact, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone in scripture that God used that didn't suffer in one way or another. From Adam to John the Revelator, God allowed suffering in those he used to teach them, to purify them in order to mold them so he could use them. If you would turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter, chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 11, the Philippians chapter 3. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, 
but that which comes from, through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that, that depends on faith, that I may, number one, know him, that I may, number two, know the power of resurrection, and number three, that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word. And Lord, I am your, your servant, your vessel this morning to, to speak and convey the word that you would have me to speak this morning. I humbly come before you to say, God, speak through me this morning. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us that we may be changed by your word, that we may live our lives and bring glory to the name of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. When you buy a new computer, it comes with default settings, right? Some of those can be very frustrating. So sometimes we have to spend time changing the default settings on a computer. If you open up Microsoft Word, you write up a paper, generally, usually, Times New Roman will be the default font. If you click on the Internet Explorer icon, after you sit there for a long time, eventually you will be taken to a default Microsoft page such as msn.com. It's, it's an automatic preset. Most computers come with these automatic default presets. The default setting on the St. Louis Cardinals is winner. It's automatic. It's a preset. It's expected. <laughs> and uh, after last night's game, I, did anybody get any sleep after last night's game? There's also a default setting on those who would consider themselves serious followers of Jesus Christ. And we know we have the gifts, the fruit of the Spirit that should be evident in each one of us. We give our lives to Jesus Christ, fills us with his Holy Spirit. We should look and we should act and we should sound different as we go our way. And one of the default settings on the lives of followers of Jesus is suffering. Philippians chapter 1, 29 and 30 says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. It has been granted to us that we suffer. Almost like it's been as a gift. It has been granted to us that we suffer. So what does looking, what does suffering look like? What are those things, when are those times that bring us to our own end that cause us to look to Jesus. For some it might be heartbreak, for others sickness, for another persecution. For some it may be, for all of us, it would be temptation. For another disappointment, for another failure. 
fill in the blank, what has suffering been for you? James chapter one says, consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must, must what? It must finish its work, so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The apostle Paul is a great example for us in suffering. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. And during his conversion, he was blinded. And God sent, he spoke to a disciple named Ananias, and he said, go and lay hands on Saul so that he may see and so that I may tell him what he is to do. And Ananias said, but God, don't you know the stuff that he's been doing? He's been arresting and taking Christians But God said, go, for I've chosen him to carry my name. I've chosen him to carry my name before the Gentiles, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So one of the questions I have to you today is, do you, do we, do I, do you carry the name of Jesus with you? Is it evident in the lives of of other people, they, do they see that you carry the name of Jesus with you? As a true follower of Jesus, we do. We carry his name. And if we carry his name, we will suffer for his name's sake. It has been granted to us that we would suffer. We must consider the cost of following Jesus and carrying his name. We must communicate to others the cost involved in following Jesus along with the blessings and the glory. Sometimes we stop short. We stop short of what the gospel is all about. The gospel is very clear. Not only that we get to share in the eternal blessings, not only we do get to share in the, from the glory to glory evidences and experiences with God. But the Bible is also very, very clear and that we need to understand that there is suffering that comes along with carrying the name of Jesus. Jesus had huge crowds that followed him. And as long as he was feeding them bread and fish, they kept following him. But eventually he said to them, you know, if, if you should follow me, you may not have a place to sleep tonight. If you follow me, you, you may not see your family again. There's a chance that you may have to turn your back on everything that you have ever known to be a disciple of mine. Well, what happened? People began to stop gathering. People began to stop following him. So what did he do? He turned to his disciples and he said, do you want to go away too? Jesus almost tried to talk people out of following him because they, he wanted them to know the cost. Do you truly know the cost that it will require you to follow me? And that is a hard truth for us to, to grasp and to live out, especially when we hear so much prosperity stuff called the gospel today that does not line up with scripture. 
Jesus laid it out there for them that they, would, they could see that being a follower, being a disciple of his, was not going to be a walk in the park. So today, let's look at four things about suffering. Number one, we suffer because of sin in our lives. No one is excluded here. David certainly understood that God gets our attention by dealing with the sin in our lives. God loves us enough. He loves us so much to allow hardship and suffering in our lives to get our full attention. Psalm 51, verses seven and eight, David, David wrote, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. And then he says that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Sounds like God got David's attention. His love is so great for us that if it takes suffering to purge us of sin, then so be it. God hates the sin that is in my life. He hates it. And whatever it takes for the sin in my life to be purged, to be purified, to be gone, whatever it takes, then I say, sometimes very hesitantly, God, do what you will. I don't want anything in my life to hinder God's work in me and through me because if there is blatant sin in my life, if there is sin in my life that's left unconfessed and I know it's still there, and if I don't allow him to deal with sin in my life, the work of the Holy Spirit in me and through, through me will be greatly hindered. I do not want that to happen. Hardship turned David's heart back to God. And David's cry was, God, don't leave me. Don't leave me, God. Change me. You probably have probably just a few, not too many, maybe even just one relationship in your life that can be challenging, that person that's kind of maybe annoying to you. Maybe it's that bill collector that, that calls, that, that telemarketer that, that calls, and, and my reply is, of course, I don't say this to them, I, I just, oh, I wish they'd stop hounding me. Even that, even that person that I, that I know, just I'm like, oh, I wish they'd Stop hounding me. You have somebody like that in your life? But my prayer to God is, God, don't stop hounding me. I know that there is sin in my life, and I know that there are things that I, that I do that, I'm, that I grieve over. I hate the sin that's in my life. I wake up, my feet hit the floor, and I, and I sin. And knowing that, I ask God, Lord, remind me, be a constant reminder to me of the sin that is in my life so I can live a life of cleansing and repentance before you so that I stay clean before you. I know I'm already clean by the blood of Jesus, but I don't want those daily things just causing me to stumble again. I don't want those in my life. Lord, don't stop hounding me. Please keep after me. Suffering cleanses us from a life of sin. Number two, we suffer because of righteousness. I must admit, I'm a little suspicious of people who call themselves Christians and they live their entire lives with ease. You know what I mean? 
They call themselves Christians, but they don't ever seem to have issues, whether, whether they just hide them or I, I don't know what it is in their lives, but they don't seem to ever have any of those daily things that just cause us to cry out to God. Not, I'm not, and I'm not judging people who drive nice cars or live in nice houses. I'm not, I'm not addressing that at all. Because I know people that don't live in such nice houses and drive such nice cars that don't seem to ever have those little things that I deal with. But Peter says in chapter two, 1 Peter chapter two says, speaking about suffering for doing good, he says, to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. We were called. Suffering is something that we are called to. And if there's never any issues in our lives that are causing us to look at our lives closer or causing us to cry out to God because we know that there's sin in us, I have, I have problems with that. Maybe that's something that I need to deal with. Charles Spurgeon said, there, is no, there are no crown wearers in heaven that were not cross bearers on earth. Amen. Agatha Christie said, if you love, you will suffer. And if you do not love, you do not know the meaning of a Christian life. Martin Luther King Jr. said Christianity has always insisted that the cross we bear always precedes the crown we wear. Many of you will know Johnny Erickson Tata. She's a very popular speaker and has been for a long time who 40 years ago became a quadriplegic due to a diving accident. She said, Programs, systems, and methods sit well in ivory towers of monasteries. Head knowledge comes from the pages of a theology text. But the invitation to know God, truly know him, is always an invitation to suffer. Not to suffer alone, but to suffer with him. That's some great insight from some people who know what it means to be persecuted and to suffer for the sake of the cross. And I'm glad that we have their testimonies to reference. Let me make sure that you hear what God's word says. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And he said, people will go from bad to worse, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Taking a stand for Jesus and being rooted in his word and speaking the truth of God's word will bring calamity in your life. But it's worth it. It's worth it because what happens, we end up looking like Jesus. It's worth it. Number three, we suffer because Jesus suffered. As a kid, like a lot of young boys growing up, I wanted to be a baseball player. I wanted to be a baseball player like Lou Brock. I got a little older in high school, I wanted to be a tennis player like Bjorn Borg. 
But when it got down to it, I didn't want to endure what they endured to attain the level of success that they achieved. I wasn't willing to do the workouts, the practice, to go the distance that they went in order to be a success as they were. And here I am, I say I want to be like Jesus. As one who is constantly growing in in hopefully love and mercy and grace, I say with my mouth, I want to be more like Jesus. Am I willing to endure what he endured to experience the level of glory that Jesus experienced. Hebrews 12, verses two and three says, looking to Jesus, the founder or the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame and is seated at the right hand of God, consider him who endured. From sinners, such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We suffer because Jesus suffered. And number four, is God in control of suffering? I have a story called The Silversmith. Some time ago, so the story goes, a few ladies met to study the scriptures. While reading the third chapter of Malachi, they came upon a remarkable expression in the third verse, which says, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. One lady decided to visit a silversmith and report to the others on what he had said about the subject. She went accordingly and without telling him the reason for her visit, asked the silversmith to tell her about the process of refining silver. After he had fully described it to her, she asked, Sir, do you sit while the work of refining is going on? Oh, yes, ma'am, replied the silversmith. I must sit and watch the furnace constantly. For if the time necessary for refining is exceeded in the slightest degree, the silver will be injured. The lady at once saw the beauty and comfort of the scripture, which said, He shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. God sees it necessary to put his children into the furnace. But his eye is steadily intent on the work of purifying and his wisdom and love are both engaged in the best manner for us. Our trials do not come at random. He will not let us be tested beyond what we can endure. Before she left, the lady asked one final question. How do you know when the process is complete? That's quite simple, replied the silversmith. When I can see my own image in the silver, the refining process is finished. That's, we are the silver. God is the silversmith. The fire and the heat get rid of the impurities and ultimately we become more like his son, Jesus. Whatever calamity befalls us, God has our eternal good in view. God has his good, specific purpose in view when we suffer. 
So is God in control of our suffering with his resounding yes, we can know that God is in control. Philippians 1.29 said, it has been granted to you that you should suffer. Ephesians 1.11 says, he works all things to the counsel of his will. Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called together, called according to his purpose. Acts 2.23 says, Jesus was delivered up to die according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. He is in control. Not only is God not caught off guard by our suffering, he ordains it so that we are perfected and purified by the process. And because of the process of purification, the reflection that is seen in us is Jesus. And that is his will for us, to look like his son. Pastor Mark told us numerous weeks ago that when he was diagnosed with cancer, he wasn't living in sin when he received that diagnosis. He was in the potter's hand. He was exactly where God wanted him and had him, being used greatly by God. And it was during that time that he received a diagnosis of cancer. Did the cancer diagnosis come as a surprise to God? No, I believe, I believe God ordained it to display his glory. And what has it done for us as a body of Christ? It has driven us to our knees. It has caused us to support our pastor and his wife even more. So what happens through the process of suffering? What happens? We become teachable. We learn to listen. We become sensitive to the needs of others. And I'll reference here 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4. I won't won't read it right now. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4. And even Mark shared that with me, that because of his diagnosis, he can now empathize with others that have had similar things in their lives. And lastly, in the process of suffering, we become like Jesus. In his death, and ultimately in his resurrection. Have you considered the cost of suffering? Have you considered the cost of following Jesus? There are no shortcuts with God. God's process of purification leads through suffering. But on the other side of it is the glory promised in Scripture. And his promise is that he will never leave us or forsake us. Like I said, it's worth it. It's worth it, no matter what you are going through, what you have been through, what is yet to come. And that's kind of the, I'll be honest with you. I know that to prepare a message like this generally means that God's gonna do something along those lines. But no matter what the cost, 
I want to be willing to endure that for the sake of knowing Jesus and knowing the power of his resurrection to also be willing to suffer for his sake. It is worth it. Paul says, I count all things lost for the sake of knowing Jesus and I share in his sufferings that I can share in his resurrection. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this this word. Thank you for this, this tough love scripture, this message of considering the cost to be a true disciple of Jesus. You laid it out there for the disciples. This is the way it's going to be. If you want to be a disciple of mine, expect hard times. And oh God, may we consider the cost of what it will take to be a a true disciple of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will have your way this morning. I pray, Lord, that you have spoken clearly your, your word, your will. I pray, Lord, that those hearing my voice will understand that the way to Jesus, the way to God, the way to eternal life is through repentance and through the shed blood of Jesus. Have your way as we worship you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Won't you stand? The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. You and I and everyone who who has ever lived is a sinner. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. Jesus came through the foreknowledge and specific will of God. He came and he lived a perfect life. And he became the Lamb of God. He was the Lamb of God without blemish. And he said, I lay my life down willingly. Nobody takes my life from me. I willingly lay down my life as a ransom for all. And this morning, if you have never given your life to Jesus, if you have never experienced the goodness and the glory and the blessings that come from following Jesus, and if you have never experienced suffering because of following Jesus, the invitation for you is to come and to receive from God an outpouring into your life, whether it be for salvation or for healing or for restoration, whatever it may be today. Come and receive from God as you pour out your life to Him. Won't you come now as we sing?
of surrender that says Lord I lay it all down when an enemy is taken captive on the field of battle when there is surrender those that have been captured they lay their weapons down they throw their weapons down and say I surrender don't shoot we'll do whatever you say It's a perfect picture. It's a beautiful picture of how we come to Jesus. We lay our weapons down that we have fought and fought and that we have fought with, battled with, and we say, "I'm yours to do whatever you wish to do. I surrender to you. I belong to you." And that's what our life as a believer in Jesus is all about. It's daily surrender. It's daily surrender. It's a process that that never stops. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.